Nobody knows. Nobody knows the sorrows I did. Nobody feels. Nobody feels the pain that I feel. Rocky Judy, Rocky Road. What's that? What's that? Rapid Road, Rapid Road. Sing it, Rapid Road, Rapid Road. Rapid Road, Rapid Road. Sing it, Rapid Road, Rapid Road. DJ Joshy Black, Joshy Black. Welcome to Love Island, where a reggae party is taking place on the beach. In the faded glory of this colonial city facing the Atlantic coast, reggae music provides a constant soundtrack in the tropical breeze. Blasting from bars, business places and vehicles, and a reggae museum sits right in the center of town. But we're not in Jamaica nor anywhere with a large Jamaican population. Instead, we're in Sao Luis, in the far northeast of Brazil. with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, we explore the surprising story of how reggae became a big part of Sao Luis popular culture, shaping local identity in a place where English is not widely spoken and Catholicism is the dominant faith. Here in the so-called Brazilian Jamaica, only certain types of reggae hold sway. We're talking vintage roots by singers from the Jamaican countryside, also obscure cover tunes and heartbreaking reggae tearjerkers, along with a touch of black British lovers rock. And to prove this, here's the Gladiator's 1976 track, Looks is Deceiving, an enduring Sao Luis mainstay that uses Jamaican folk sayings to challenge social inequality. When short mo tell you you can't deal So when long mo tell you You go feel it, feel it You talk too much, you will pay For what you don't eat Go never know the use of him Till the butcher cut it off Go never know the use of him Till the butcher cut it off specialized reggae scene is baffling to outsiders. Producer David Katz traveled there to learn more about the region's African roots and its complex relationship with reggae. Sao Luis do Maranhão is one of the most ethnically diverse cities in Brazil and one of the nation's poorest. 
an old slave port near the Amazon basin, the city has large black and Amerindian populations, as well as poor whites who fled the drought-ridden Sertao in the interior. In its geographical isolation, unique forms of cultural expression took hold, such as the tambour de criola or creole drum, in which a trio of drums and choral chants are accompanied by circular female dancers. Similarly, tambour jimina accompanies local African-derived religious practices. You can hear it on this recording, made at the Casa Gifanti Ashanti, a spiritual and cultural facility in the historic city center. Here, locals practice their own form of candomblé, Boy is another local folkloric tradition with distinctive rhythms and dance steps. The anthropologist and author Bruno Azevedo says São Luís's plantations provided great wealth during the 19th century. The city was dubbed the Brazilian Athens. It was home to a romantic poetry movement and enjoyed close ties to Europe. However, the abolition of slavery and dwindling sugar and cotton trades began a long decline. By the 1950s, São Luís had Brazil's highest rate of infant mortality. São Luís is an island with about a million people. It's the capital of the state of Maranhão. We have seven million people in the state. And even though we had a, a five times more slaves than we had Europeans in the city, the whole identity was associated with Europe. And during the whole colonial and imperial time, we were very wealthy because we had a whole lot of plantations here. But during late 19th century, we had this huge economic decay. They abolished slavery. Sugarcane started to be a very bad product to produce. We were big, beautiful colonial city that just were bankrupt in the whole early to mid 20th century. A phase of modernization and expansion began during the military dictatorship of the 60s under a controversial governor, José Sarney. Sarney would dominate political life for decades to come, but Marignan retained low ratings for health, wealth, and literacy especially in rural areas. We have the worst numbers in the country for pretty much anything. Like, I used to say that in every car, there's one person who can't read and write. Like, last time I checked, was 17% of people who are absolutely illiterate. So the capital is, is not only a physical island, it's a symbolic island, okay? We have investments, we have things going on and everything. But if you go to the countryside, oh God, it's a bang bang. impoverished environment, local sound systems known as radiolas played a mix of Brazilian and foreign music at informal street parties. 
Radiolas often played at events that celebrated patron saints and generated income through beverage sales. In the 1960s, the music alternated between seresta, brega, samba rock, and other national forms with the Caribbean rhythms such as mambo, salsa, cumbia, compa, and cadence. It was a heady mix that kept couples dancing. Faster Caribbean-derived rhythms were simply called merengue, and the slower ones, bolero, including this hit by Nelson Gonsalves, A Volta do Bohemio. Bohemia, sabendo que andei distante, sei que essa gente falante vai agora ironizar. Luis Calaf from the Dominican Republic was another favorite. Cuando yo llegue a Puerto Rico, tú verás que tú vas a ver. Comeremos un lechón asado, camino de Mayagüez. Y que venga cerveza y romo, que todo lo pago yo. Con los chavos que llevaré, de lo que le gane al bol. Cuando yo llegue a Puerto Rico, cuando yo llegue a mi bolinque. Colombia's Los Corraleros del Mayagual were also played often along with homegrown Brazilian music and mainstream hits from the U.S. and Britain. In the mid-60s, a Juvem Guarda, or Young Guard group, called Renato Iseus Blue Caps, had a big radula hit with O Escandalu. It was a version of the Caliso classic Shame and Scandal in the Family. Then, during the early 1970s, Reggae slowly became part of the playlist. Carlos Benedito Rodriguez da Silva's book, From the Land of Springs to the Island of Love, was the first to explore Sao Luis's reggae identity. He says reggae's arrival is contested. Algumas histórias são diferentes, mas todas. Some people say the reggae came through the airwaves. The people in the countryside used to listen to Caribbean radio stations, so they were used with the sounds and the vibes of reggae, Caribbean music. Some other people say the reggae came through the ports, and sailormen used to trade mm -hmm. records and left it with the prostitutes in the whorehouses. But what we know for sure is the reggae came from the countryside to the capital back in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Não se sabe exatamente quem começou a trazer o reggae, né? Tem também algumas histórias. Nobody knows exactly who started to play reggae here. There are many characters who are attributed to being the pioneer. But the name most associated with it is Riba Macedo, who used to be a DJ. There are many other characters involved in that, but what, from my perspective, the most important is that reggae came from the outsides and started to be very popular 
uh, with an identification process with the black poor population of San Luis. of Rosario, in his modest home, littered with old speaker cones and vinyl records stored in a broken fridge, Hiba Macedo was keen to dispel some myths. People said, oh, it was you that brought reggae to Maranhão. No, it wasn't just me, but the stories that people tell about sailors came to the prostitute houses. Oh, prostitute houses never had a turntable to play records, so it is a lie. Hiba was raised in the Sacavem district on the southeast outskirts of the city, where his father was a radiola owner before him. During the early 70s, the London-based Trojan label began licensing reggae to Brazilian companies like Beverly and Caravelli. Hiba bought some of these releases at a local street market and brought them to established radiolas to play before launching his own set in 1976. In fact, I had two singles. One single from Trojan, from Dave and Hansel Collins, the Bobero, and the other one was from Tutsi and the Matos, the Monkey Man, and the other side, uh, Night and Day. And you never know what you, you buy because you, you couldn't listen to the, the records. But uh, I remember that uh, I, I, I bought the double barrel single because the, the sleeve, it was uh, two girls uh, with guns. Brazilian pressings of records by Desmond Decker, Freddie Notes, Bruce Ruffin, and Lloyd Severite were also popular. And as in Jamaica, exclusivity was always important. I remember uh, buying in a second-hand stand an album from Johnny Nash, and it was in 1972. At that time, uh, this Johnny Nash album was very rare here. So I used to do something that uh, I know that people in Jamaica uh, sometimes did too, that take the disc and put in another sleeve of Johnny Mattis. So people say, oh, which album is this? Oh, Johnny Mattis. Hey, hey, hey. 
Long Time No See by Jimmy Cliff, the name most synonymous with reggae in Saint Louis in the mid-70s. Soon, songs by the Twinkle Brothers, Max Romeo, and Guyanese singer Mark Holder filtered in. Though local audiences never knew their names, since the Brazilian compilation they appeared on merely credited the Jamaica reggae band. Nevertheless, in the late 70s, Hiba's Radiola, named Song Guarani after a popular brand of clothing dye, became the chief sound system promoting reggae. É verdade porque eu morava no bairro de Sacavém. Everything started at Sacavém, that is a neighborhood very far away from the center. And uh, everything starts with the poor black people. And my neighborhood, Sacavém, was the first one to embrace reggae. So I played more at my neighborhood. And besides that, my Hajola was the first one to have a transistor equipment. So my sound was clearer and better than the other ones. So uh, the people began to hire me to play in other places, and the other Hajola owners became jealous. The biggest competitors was Nestabulo and Carne Seca, known as King of Merengue, because uh, he bought many merengue albums from Belém, the Pará. Reggae, with its slower pace, was often played between boleros, so it became associated with circular, close couples dancing. The Radiolas always played a variety of music, including disco, but it took a while for reggae to be accepted. And Estabulo said, reggae is no good, what's the meaning of reggae? No, no, you have to quit reggae. Years later, it was the Radiola from Estabulo that declined, because he didn't like reggae. Hiba says reggae records were never easy to find in São Luís. But then Island Records' Roots Rock Reggae and Virgin's Frontline compilations were pressed in Brazil. Journalist Julio Barroso wrote the liner notes, and by 1979 had supplied enough stock for Hiba to start playing reggae exclusively at Radiola parties throughout the city. I always liked to read the verse of a disco. I wrote to the label and said that I'd like to, to get contact with him. And 15 days later, he answered and said, oh, I'm, I'm very glad to know that some people in San Luis like the reggae. And 30 days later, he received a huge pack of albums from Stupus, Johnny Nash. It was a turning point because people started to came from other regions of the city just to listen to these records that nobody else had. Try fish, I say Your bank is the right way No, no See this majesty His Majesty is the only way for black people. Nation shall rise over nations. Feed. 
Licensing deals with Island and Virgin Records and Jamaican producers like Joe Gibbs were bringing artists like Miller, Pablo Moses, Peter Tosh, Dennis Brown, Junior Mervyn, and Ijaman Levi to the forefront of Sao Luis's reggae consciousness. Soon, the Reggae Night radio show presented by Ademar Danilo and Radiola owner Fauzi Bedun took things to a whole new level. They introduced the music to middle-class listeners, as Fauzi explained during our visit to his homestead. Regress negative was thieves and, and smokers of ganja and, you know, the people from the ghettos. But when I started the radio show, we started translating songs and the heavy light talking to the people, explaining the things. And then we changed this concept of the culture and people started getting proud. It was a big change because for the first time, People could listen to the songs on the radio, could understand the name of the song, the name of the singer, sometimes the translations. Whoa, it was a big success, you know? Well, even as reggae's popularity grew, much of the public still resisted it. But keep in mind, this was an era marked by heavy state repression. Here's Bruno Azevedo. The state had always been related to reggae somehow, with the police in the reggae clubs rioting, raising hell in the place. That's how the state was present, repressing it. If you go to the paper, you find the reggae is always in the crime part of the paper, not in the cultural culture stuff. Ramuzio Brasil, he wrote a book about reggae politics in San Luis, and he said that in our context of extreme poverty and violence, leaving your home, to go to a reggae party where you know the police can go there and just shoot people out of the blue, it's an act of resistance. So even though people don't get the actual lyrics, they're being political by getting together all the poor and black people and dancing this foreign music. Things came to a head in November 1990 when police attacked reggae fans at the popular club Espaso Aberto. Ademar Danilo, current director of the Reggae Museum of Maranhão, gives an eyewitness account of the unexpected consequences. There was an invasion of police. I was arrested that night and all the people was arrested. And I worked in a newspaper here. Behind of the news station, there was a police station where I went to report that I was victim of a police violence. 
And this fact was in the first page of the biggest newspaper of San Luis. So this caused a reaction of San Luis society. Leading the movement was the students of Federal University. And we have the support of the Catholic Church, of the lawyers' order here, and all the democratic groups. We did a demonstration in a public square where we had almost 10,000 people. And it was very important because from that date, the people of university, the middle class, the, the people who has a little brain in San Luis, they began to see reggae. At the time, the reggae was almost strictly in the ghetto. And after this, reggae went to society. So we have this debit with the violent police. They helped us in Jamaica and San Luis. Reggae is music from poor and from black people. So we have the uh, social prejudice and the racial prejudice. We have two discriminations in reggae. But we are not little victims. We are the resistance and we are victorious. Reggae has a big victory. Coming up, more on that big victory and music from Larry Marshall, Hugh Mandel and the homegrown reggae band Tribu de Ja. Visit afropop.org for Mike Turner's fascinating feature on Sao Luis reggae in our Best of the Beat section. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. more of the classic reggae that moves São Luís do Maranhão. This is Larry Marshall. Marshall's obscure 1975 classic, Brand New Baby, 
became an anthem of the early 90s in Saint Louis. The reggae scene was transformed when radiola owners such as Sarah Lero, Ferreirinha, and Natty Naveson began traveling to Jamaica. Until then, most reggae was played on LP, but the introduction of Jamaican 45s permanently changed the focus. A copy of Jackie Brown's Feel No Pain or the Eagles' Rasta Pickney was a highly coveted possession, as were Marshall's other singles. At his home in the Liberdaji district, a stronghold of radiola culture, Natty Naveson highlights the importance of Jamaican 45s. I go there and I discover 45. The first travel in 1991 and a different style, big explosion. I go to Jamaica, I get 1,545 and I get 700 LP. When I back Jamaica here, my God, many people might not print a record. On that trip, Nafeson and his friend Dred Sandro contracted Gregory Isaacs to perform in Saint Louis for the very first time. The show was organized with Pinto from Itamarachi, which had become Saint Louis's biggest sound system. Later on, Nafeson brought largely forgotten singers such as Eric Donaldson, Jimmy London, and Stanley Beckford to play before thousands of fans at stadium gigs. Jackie Bernard, Jackie Brown, and Vernon Buckley of the Maytones also enjoyed robust career revivals in the city. In Sao Luis, many forgotten reggae songs have achieved special status. They are considered pedras, or stones, as Bruno Azevedo explains. A pedra is a very, very good reggae tune. It's heavy like a rock, but the audience are the people defining what pedra is. became known locally as Melo de Valeria. Through a strange process of renaming, some of the hardest pedras were now called melos. Melo comes from melodia, melody in English, and it's how we, we localize a song. Because when the tunes came here originally with the DJs, they stripped the song of all its original identity. So nobody knew who was the performer, the singer, the composer, or even the actual name of the song and we started to replace their names with the mellow of something. So mellow is a term we use to redesignate a song and trying to make up some local meaning. Like yeah. Melo de Valera is a song called My Mind by Hugh Mandel. The late 80s, early 90s, there was this lady called Valeria and she was a phenomenon of nature. She was very, very beautiful. And everybody said that she could dance from the beginning to the end of a party. Whenever she shown up, you know, it was like a lightning. And she was friends with Natty Iveson. And then one day he just decided to rename the song after her. So it became Melodi Valeria. And if you ask anybody here, what song is Melodi Valeria? Everybody knows. But if you ask about Hugh Mandel, my mind, Nobody does, because it's Valeria's song. 
And it's very common to have this kind of thing. Like that there's a song by the Fabulous Fives called uh, Sweet Pea. We call it Melo da Chuva, it's Melody of the Rain. Because in the first night it was played, it rained a lot in the reggae club. of Tribo de Jaw's 1992 debut album, Regueros Guerreros. Formed in 1986 at the Maranhão School for the Blind, this band began its long ascent after Fauzi Bedoun became the frontman, helping to spread reggae culture across the country. Tribo has a very important role in the national reggae scene because, the, for example, we play in regions like until nowadays, no bands went there. For example, in the we call the Sir Town in in this very far places. Uh, sometimes the people like the songs and they didn't know it was reggae. In the past, I had to explain uh, when we started playing in, in like Ceará, Cariri, uh, the first reggae band ever played there, you know. And the, the reggae culture now is strong in this place because Tribal brought this credibility, serious thanks strong message, and the, the first band that brought to Brazilian language the reggae concepts, like uh, Cha, Babylon, Roots, people bring these concepts and, and translated it to the Brazilian, and, and people start understanding now. This song, Regueros Guerreros, or Reggae Warriors, speaks to reggae's great importance throughout Maranhão State. In Maranhão, reggae has this cultural connotation, like they have a special way of dancing and absorb reggae very much intensely. It's just music that talks intensely for the heart. Ah, so it's a commercial movement, no, not commercial. It's cultural, it's identity, you know? It's, it touches really the heart of these people here. Jazz success inspired other local bands to take up the mantle, including mystical roots Manu Bantu and Bambaguetos. Bambaguetos was formed in 1993 by members of Akumabu, 
a carnival Afrobloku based at the Black Cultural Center situated in an old slave market in the Bares neighborhood. Here is their Fim de Semana, a song about listening to local reggae bands on the weekend. Ghetto's member, Celia Sampaio, began her solo career in the late 1990s. Here's Black Power from her aptly titled Diferente album, released in the year 2000. Se libertar, oh, os caminhos de quem 
Bem, eu consegui esse título por conta que eu venho no momento. She got this title because when she arrived in the market, there was no reggae singer in Brazil, female singer. Some other singers could play one reggae here, one there, like they gave their voices to one or two reggae tunes, but someone specialized on playing full scope reggae, she was the first one. Celia laments that reggae bands have always been a niche interest in São Luís. A nossa maior visibilidade o reggae aqui no Maranhão é a radiola. So the big visibility that reggae has here in Maranhão is sound system. Unfortunately, here we don't used to hear a lot of reggae with bands as well. It's very expensive and the owners of the sound system they never thought about investing on bands because they don't want the competition. Everybody on reggae knows about me, knows my record, knows about my work, but it doesn't play in the radio and it doesn't play in the sound system. Tribu Jaja doesn't play in the sound system and the sound system doesn't play anything national, just a little bit. were making their feelings known at the ballot box, electing the journalist and reggae radio broadcaster Ademar Manilo as a city councillor in 1992. I was the most voted in San Luis in, uh, at that time, yeah? and I was elected by reggae people. I did my reggae program, and all my life I have a left comprehension of the political activities. The thing that made I decide to do not still candidate eh, in other elections is very simple. When I finished my time as a city councillor, I was with less money than when I started. And all the others were almost rich. <laughs> so I concluded that it's not for me. José Eleonilda Suárez, better known as Pinto Itamarachi, 
was elected city councillor in 2000 as a centrist candidate, largely through the support of the reggae public. He subsequently became a federal councillor and remains a substitute senator. Sound system is a medium and it's also a stage. And I was there at, in the stage as an artist. And even before I started my political career, I was always there trying to solve the problems. And that made possible for people to believe in me and believe that I could be a good person to represent them. So when I started as a candidate, Itamarachi was already for 12 years in market. So Itamarachi was the main driving force along with the whole movement to put my name in there to be elected. And I was a politician for 18 years and Today, it's impossible to separate Itamarachi's business person, the CEO of Itamarachi, and the politician from Itamarachi. Uh, my presence in, in politics made possible for reggae to be viewed differently by the authorities. And when I was as a city councillor, I instituted this municipal city day for the reggae people. And when I was in federal council, I ran the, this project to institute in Brazil the Federal Day of Reggae. version of Céline Dion's Think Twice, known locally as Melodipoliana. It's an example of the new style of Sao Luis hits in the late 90s and early 2000s. Since rare vintage reggae was getting harder to find, Radiola owners began commissioning new music from producers such as Bill Campbell, and soon London-based lovers rock singers like Donna, Johnny Orlando and Bill's brother Pete Campbell became the new stars. Come show her for me. Look by you. 
in the same era by Sidney Crooks of the Pioneers, a.k.a. Norris Cole. In partnership with Joe Gibbs, Sidney Crooks made music in Jamaica specifically for Saint Louis reggae fans, often working with roots reggae veterans such as Brown and Brent Doe. Sidney became so smitten with the Saint Louis reggae scene that he relocated there in 2000. His wife, Lady Conceição, now sings with him. When I came to Mario, I watched and I noticed how the people dance. I said, damn it, this is fantastic. They were dancing to reggae as if they were dancing to the biggest jazz singer or folk singer in the world. So I put that in my head and I said to Joe Gibbs, listen man, I'm going back to Jamaica. Now is when I'm gonna make hits here in Brazil because I've got the beat. So I went back to Jamaica and I went in the studio and I went with Jackie Brown. Every tune with Jackie Brown was hitting here. Now it's cold style, he didn't like hell. It was a craze. This new style was based on semi-electronic rhythms with easy production values, sparking a new type of locally made sound system exclusive by singers like Dubby Brown, Peter Tocci, and Hickey Mervin. Here's Marcos Rogers' electronic recut of Junior Biles' Auntie Lulu, known as Melo de Kururupu, a prime example of the new form. accelerated, the sound became more two-dimensional. It became known as hobozinho, or robot reggae, the new staple for radiolas in Saint Louis. Carla Freire's book, O Reggae Onge Ale, explores this evolving style and the resulting splits. She says that electronic reggae is favored by Saint Louis's young black radiola devotees, 
but it's derided by older folks and the largely white patrons of the city's roots reggae bars, as well as reggae fans in the countryside. E aí o que aconteceu é que a gente percebe que os as pessoas mais jovens da periferia hoje já preferem mais o robozinho do que o reggae roots. The black young people they like a lot the robozinho. And there is a discussion between the groups, the old ones who likes the roots music and the the new guys who like the the robozinho and the bands in other side and it's a clash for a place of speaking. And the robozinho was something inevitable because culture is dynamic. And there is an economic thing because it's cheap to produce the music. You listen to the robozinho at the salons with the radiola. And the white people like the bands and the roots rag there. It's played at the bars. As electronic reggae battled the vintage roots in the state capital, a dramatic change in local government came with the election of communist governor Flavio Dino in 2015. Under his rule, the state established the Reggae Museum of Maranhão. Finally, reggae music won official state recognition. Ademar Danilo. Now the state, they recognize reggae as a cultural element which helps to form the way of life of people of Maranhão nowadays. And the focus of the Reggae Museum of Maranhão is the reggae in our state, the reggae here in San Luis. I think we are having success in it. We have almost 51,000 visitors in one year from these 50,000 people we have 18,000 tourists you see my salawis my jamaica salawis is a little jamaica a land of sea and sun Louise is a little Jamaica, and where the pretty girl them come from. The problem is, no money now run. I say the problem is, no money now run. We need dollars, dollars, dollars on ya. Real, real, real. Everybody just a walk and talk. We need real dough, yeah. We need it for the older generation. We need it for the younger generation. Everybody just a walk and talk. Give the people real. Hey, hey, everybody just a jump and shout. We happy, we happy, we happy. Everybody just a jump and shout. We happy, we happy, we happy. We got dollars, dollars, dollars on ya. Real, real, real. Everybody just a walk and talk. We need real yeah. Pete Campbell with his song Saul Louis 405 Years. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, public radio international affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you 
for supporting your public radio station. to Leo Vidigal, Bruno Azevedo, Tarsicio Selecta, Andre Lucap, Kevin Bulraj, Otavio Rodriguez, and Michael Turner for earlier research, logistical assistance, and translation. David Riley for voiceover, Christian Miller of the Maranhão Tourist Board, and the Hotel Brizamar in Sao Luis. Visit afropop.org for more information on Sao Luis Reggae. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter with links to our radio programs, features, reviews, videos, podcasts, and so much more. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by David Katz. Don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Stephanie Lebeau. Additional engineering by Greg Hartman. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Ben Richmond, and I'm Georges Collinet.